0: We are quickly approaching the end of the book of Genesis. I've enjoyed preaching through it. I hope that you've enjoyed some of the applications that uh, I've seen as I've gone through. Clearly, there's a thousand more than what I have put forth. But what I try to do each time is I look at that chapter, which is, of course, the same chapter that I'm using in the Doodle Bible School just ahead of this uh, segment. But uh, I look at that chapter and I say to myself, what can I take away from my own personal spiritual walk with God from that chapter? And uh, in Genesis chapter 48, this is an easy one for us to draw applications to. But it ties in directly, again, to what I was talking about earlier with regards to men and the fact that men need to step up and that church leaders need to stop emasculating them, expecting them to just come sit in a pew, a passive pew, sitting, watching the, the, the stage show production, and instead encourage men, empower men to be able to conduct their own home church scenario well, in chapter 48, you're going to see some of the keys that actually would build towards that. Here we go. As you know, I was trying to provide five questions, not just for the School of Biblical Studies, but uh, for anybody who's trying to study along on their own. But if you're part of the Restoration School of Biblical Studies, these are the five questions that you will have on the final test. So it's probably a good idea for you to screenshot that, and then you can kind of fill in the blanks as we go. Here we go. I want to deal with this idea of passing on the family blessing. Passing on the family blessing. Studies have been made, and uh, they're rather profound, that uh, when a father is involved in spiritual things, that his family is going to be involved as well. The statistics drop rapidly when it goes to the father's not involved, but mom's involved. Now, oftentimes the family will still be involved, but a lot of times the statistics drop rapidly with to that. Fathers tend to be the key. And that makes sense because throughout Scripture, fathers are called to lead, to protect, to provide. And even in the New Testament, we're told that, you know, women are to learn from their husbands at home so that they can grow. And so as that would imply that husbands need then to be prepared to teach their wives and their children. And yet we're finding that within the church, so many husbands are not prepared. And it's the I lay this at the feet of the elders, the shepherds. You have not prepared your men to be the leaders that they need to be. And when you inspire them, encourage them, guilt them into coming and sitting in a passive pew every Sunday and, and suggesting that that is their spiritual duty, you've not done your job, elders. You've not done your job, spiritual leaders. You are inspired by God required by God, maybe I should say, to be people who prepare these men. I think one of the major reasons that elders don't want to prepare men to have their own home church is because elders are afraid of losing their own authority. It's very selfish. Elders need to prepare men to be able to conduct their own home church. Imagine, imagine the potential of a maintained spiritual maturity within the church. If we were to have multiple home churches, if our elders just had vision, at least enough vision to get back to God's plan, Jeremiah 6.16, search for the ancient paths. Well, in Genesis chapter 48, we're going to find that Israel is, Jacob, is about to die. And in fact, he's going to die in, our, in the next chapter. And uh, in chapter 48, he wants to, before dying, he wants to place a blessing on his son's but specifically in forty-eight, before we ever get to forty-nine, he's going to place a blessing on the grandsons, specifically of Joseph, Joseph's boys. And it says when Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, "Who are these?" Joseph said to his father, "They are my sons, whom God has given me while I've been here." And he said, "Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them." Now, the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. And so, we, probably the reason he didn't recognize him early on in the context is because he couldn't see him. But what we find here is something that is rather common in the Old Testament, I think it needs to become more common in our context as well. The patriarch of the family should be honored to the extent that toward the end of his life, or even prior to that, when he speaks advice, when he gives a blessing toward a project, that should carry a lot of weight. I know that in our particular situation, I'm very, very thankful that I still got my dad with me. He's 84 but the wisdom that the man carries often, in our home church scenario, etc., often is super often supersedes what I have to say. And I've got two boys. My oldest son's got his own family, and he's the one who leads our home church service. But I it's interesting when we got our home church service going on. If grandpa speaks up, Bryson shuts down. And that's the way it ought to be, because he's the patriarch of the family. Now, that being said, whenever he gives his blessing to something, or we think, I'm not sure dad would approve of that. It causes us to pause and not want to go down that particular path. Here towards the end of the patriarch's life, Jacob, Israel, he wants to present a blessing to his grandsons. And so he says, bring them near. I want to bless them. And that's the theme of this particular lesson. So we're going to see three things that are going to happen. Number one, The blessing is made up of a meaningful touch or touches. That there's this physical interaction that's going to take place. It says that uh, Joseph brings them near. He kisses them. That is, Jacob kisses them and he embraces them. Joseph then has to remove them from his knees, evidently, grandpa's knees. And so he actually holds them. He kisses them. They're up on his lap. Towards the end, it says that Israel stretched out his right hand and he lays it on the head of Ephraim. He's going he's to put his hands literally on the heads of these two boys as he presents the blessing to them. We live in such a perverted culture that has done so much to undermine the appropriate power of a touch. So much so that we often train our kids to guard their personal space, etc., which is a good thing to do. However, when you've got a grandfather or a a family member who truly loves that child and truly wants to pass on the validation to that child, they're going to be hard-pressed to do it well if there isn't some level of physical interaction, a kiss, an embrace, a hand on the shoulder, something that passes on the meaningfulness of the blessing. So the first thing you see is a meaningful touch. The second thing that you're going to see is a meaningful talk. Things that are said. So Joseph brought them near and kissed them. And then Israel's going to say this to Joseph. He said, I never expected to see your face again. Remember, he thinks, he thought all these years that Joseph had been ripped in pieces by a wild animal. And then he learns his son's alive. But this is the cool part. He said, I never expected to see your face. But behold, God has let me see your offspring also. I didn't just get to see your face. But I got to see my grandsons. How great is this? Now, how validating would that be to Joseph? Because he's been through a lot. And Joseph says, or hears his own dad acknowledging the journey has been worth it. I'm so thankful that I now get to see, and I get to see my grandsons. How validating would that be to the grandsons? But you move on. The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all all these lifelong days, he says, the angel has redeemed me from evil. I want that though that blessing to be upon these boys, the blessing from that God who is taking care of me. And I preached a series of sermons some years ago, but man, it was a powerful sermon. Watching it was in, it was entitled "Jacob to Israel," and it was just a, it was showing the maturation process of a selfish young man who's forced out of camp. And later in life, as he's grown through all of these troubles and processes, etc., he comes back a matured individual. Well, that's this guy. That's this Jacob, this Israel fella. And now he's saying, that God who protected me and drew me through that maturation process, I want him to bless these boys. In them, let my name be carried on, etc. So he blessed them that day saying, by you, Israel, will pronounce blessings saying, God make you Ephraim as and as Manasseh. So it's a, it, he's saying to, to other people, he's saying, May God bless you just like he blesses Ephraim and Manasseh. And so the, their very names become a blessing. Meaningful talk. And so the patriarch, the dad, the, the grandfather of the family, he doesn't need to be the strong, silent type who sits in the corner of the living room, never says anything. He needs to be engaged. He needs to be an individual who's passing along those moments, those verbal uh, gifts of, of validation. Now, I'm not saying you has got to be the most talkative person in the room, and sometimes it's better for him to wait and to give only those wise tidbits. That's true. But if he's just the strong, silent type who never gets engaged, never gets involved, what kind of blessing is that? So there's not just the physical embraces, but there needs to be the meaningful communications as well. And then lastly, the hope, and this is so good. There needs to be a meaningful tomorrow. Then Israel said to Joseph, behold, I'm about to die. But God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Isn't that great? I'm about to die, but don't you dare hang up the, 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 the hope. On the fact that daddy's gone. (coughs) You will be brought to the land of your fathers. And for them, that was the big hope. For you and I, obviously, it is to go and to be in the eternal realm. Where grandpa is going. Where dad is going. There needs to be a meaningful tomorrow. Uh, Our world is so dominated by tragedy hopelessness, people committing suicide because they see no purpose in continuing this life, individuals that are just in such pain, <clears throat> pain whether it be physically or emotionally, that they, they just see no reason to go on. If we, could, if we could restore the pattern of Scripture, where there were strong men who led their family spiritually, and towards the end of their life were able to do what Jacob, Israel does here, pass along a blessing that doesn't just include a meaningful embrace, a meaningful communication, but also a meaningful tomorrow. Imagine the revival that would come to our people, the revival that would come to the church. If we would, instead of emasculating our men by asking them to come in and sit still, passively in their pew during a spectator assembly, if instead of doing that we empowered them to actually conduct their own home church, So every Sunday, it was on them to make sure that they had studied out the passage. Every Sunday, it was on them to make sure that they monitored the conversation, that make sure that it was healthy and it was going in the right direction. Every Sunday, it was them who led us to the cross so that we could have communion service together. Every Sunday, it was their voice that echoed between here and heaven as far as prayer is concerned. Imagine the empowering nature of home church, as far as men are concerned, but instead, what are we doing? Our church leaders are asking the men to come in, and sit still, and be quiet. We have emasculated our men, and in the process, we have removed the family blessing. If we want to return to a healthy relationship both with God, our culture, etc., we need to have meaningful talk, touch, and a meaningful tomorrow. Our men need to lead. So, by way of review, then what are you doing? <clears throat> to make sure that there's meaningful touch, talk, and tomorrow in your home. What are you doing about that? Here are the five questions that we tried to cover during that lesson.